This is Purposeful Leadership. Welcome back to the Purposeful Leadership Podcast. I'm Jeff Pelletier, President of the Foundation for Excellence in Faith and Work, a 501c3 nonprofit charity. Our calling and mission is to help those people who follow Jesus to become and be purposeful leaders. If you're listening right now and you're not currently a follower of Jesus, I suggest you spend some time here because you just might want to consider doing that if you want a full and satisfying life. And if you want a way to overcome the trials that we all suffer in the course of our lives, you might want to consider Jesus, but don't, uh, don't base it on my, my word right now. Spend some time with us and see if you agree. So I began our first episode with an introduction of what I mean by purposeful leadership. And the bulk of our time together will be spent on that idea. In fact, I have a special offer for podcast listeners to get you on that path on the path of becoming a purposeful leader, but I'll be talking about that at the, at the end of this podcast. But I want to take this episode to, to act on some feedback I got from a friend and a listener. Megan Johnson uh, is a financial advisor for Thriving Financial and also a gymnastic coach and a competitive judge in that arena. Megan suggested it would be great if I provided some background on myself, so I agree. I'm going to do that in in this episode. So I will not bore you with lots of biographical detail. I'll focus on the stuff that got me to this point in my journey with you. So here goes. I was born in Massachusetts in the town where the Salem witch trials were held in 1630-ish. And a town where people played important roles in the War of Independence. So I have a high regard for all events of American history I was one of nine children. The reason my parents had so many children is because my mother was hard of hearing. Every night when my parents went to bed, my dad would say to my mom, you want to go to sleep or what? And my mom would say, what? And that's why they had nine children. But seriously, my existence came about as a result of my older brother's death at five years old. I'll give you more on that another time. But if he had not died, I perhaps not would, would not be here speaking to you right now. So it's an uh, interesting story. I was raised uh, a New England Episcopalian and read from what's called the Book of Common Prayer with all the attending King James, these and thous type language. I sang in the choir in that church and served as an altar boy until I was 18. And then I stepped away. I devolved, if you will, into a devout secular humanist. The, the idea that mankind is the measure of all things. But even as a humanist, I had been searching. I didn't really know what for. At first, I thought it was knowledge. Uh, I figured the more I knew, the smarter I was, the better I'd feel about myself. So I tried to learn and be more informed. And I did feel better, more informed, more secure but not secure enough. I still had this longing, uh, what Billy Graham used to call the cosmic yearning. Maybe you've experienced that. 
I got married to the first girl I ever dated. I thought it was I thought I was in love, but really I got married at 23 because I was lonely and afraid and because I thought that being married would somehow make life all right. Believe me, getting married because you're lonely and afraid is not reason enough to get married. In fact, it was a very selfish reason and it did not work. So then I threw myself at my job and I almost worked myself to death, literally. But work and accomplishment didn't fill the void either. So we had kids and I thought that being a dad would do it. Being a dad came close, but still I realized that who I was, what I needed, was not to be found there alone. You see, as I said, I was a devout humanist, as I said, so I thought that I could do it. I believed in myself. I had read every self-book there ever was, and all self-help books are all about secular humanism. I had read every self-help book there was, but still I had this need to search from the sense of lingering futility. After about uh, 12 years of this searching, uh, it came to an end. I gave up. I had botched the marriage, and I had found myself alone and still searching, still trying to find this something I had been looking for almost all of my life. Along this path, along this path in my life, I had started to think about spiritual things, and for some reason, I had this intuition that God was involved. However, I had never really pursued the God thing because, as I said, I was a devout humanist. I thought it was possible to stand on my own and somehow find what I was looking for through my own efforts. This belief was the last thing that I gave up. The reason I had always thought about spiritual things is that many incidences occurred during my life that were not explainable through normal means, like being born, for instance. As I said, I had an older brother who died. Uh, consequently, my mother had a nervous breakdown and went to a severe depression for two years. And as part of her care, her medical doctor recommended my parents have another child. So late in their 30s, they took the doctor's advice and had another child, me. So had my brother not died, would I be here today? I wondered about that. There are many other incidences over my life, most of which have to do with escaping literal death, like driving for three minutes at 60 miles an hour asleep and not having an accident. But back to my story. So there I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death, as they say, and I had given up. I was basically adrift in my thinking and feeling pretty much lost. When a very good friend of mine said, Jeff, you really should get your spiritual life together, and left it at that. So I started thinking about spiritual things and even opened the Bible once in a while, but it never spoke to me. So I pretty much remained adrift in my thinking I also got pretty depressed as I continued walking in the valley of the shadow of death, and I would cry myself to sleep about once a week. Felt pretty worthless. I was divorced, alone, and broke, living in a single room with a bath for 75 bucks a week. One night I was flipping channels, and there was Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson is a televangelist. He's been around a really long time. He's really getting up there in years. And he was talking about Jesus this is back in 1985, 80, yeah, 85, maybe 87. Anyway, uh, there was Pat Robertson talking about uh, Jesus, and I never, ever thought I would ever listen to anything Pat Robertson had to say. But I remembered what my friend said and had said about getting my spiritual life in order. So for some reason, 
I clicked back to that channel and listened. Pat was talking to me. Uh, he was at a point in the show, 700 Club, where they pray for people in the audience. He seemed to know where I was emotionally, and he was talking about how I was feeling, and he was even describing the fact that I was divorced and felt lonely and was at the end of my life. And then he said what he had said a million times. He said, if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If that's you. Boy, it was me, all right. Boy, was it ever me. And then I, he asked me to give my life to Jesus by praying a simple prayer with him. Pat said that I needed Jesus. Well, I knew who Jesus was, or at least I thought I did. I said his aim often enough that you would think I knew him. Not in a good way, though. So out of desperation and my friend's suggestion and the fact that it seemed that Pat Robertson was speaking directly to me, I prayed the prayer with all my heart, through tears. I gave my life over to Jesus, and then I went to bed. I woke up the next morning, and there was something else with me, unknowing of somehow. There was something was different. Looking back, I realized that I wasn't searching anymore. I knew deep down that I had found something of quality, not a quick fix, but a change somehow in, in direction, a change in destination. Not that I was conscious of this directly, but I had the sense that my life had somehow been rerouted or rebooted. I knew that I would never be alone or lonely again. That very next night, I opened that same Bible I had kept for some reason and started to flip through it. I found myself in Jeremiah chapter 17. These five verses talk about what happens in your life when you trust in humanity, when you're a secular humanist. And then it talks about what happens in your life when you trust in God. And I went, whoa! I'm reading this the day after? Quite a change for me from the day before. All of a sudden it came alive and I could read it and it made sense to me. When I read these verses, not only did the Bible make sense for the first time, but God had given me clear direction about the difference between the way of secular humanism and his way. And I saw this as a personal confirmation from God about the decision I had made the night before. Now my need to search had come to an end, and my search to know God had begun. This search has led me to many experiences with God through his word and by his spirit that serve as a continuous reminder to me the decision I made to turn my life over to him was the most sound, most wise, most powerful decision of my life. I immediately began looking at Christianity to see if it really worked, and I immediately started testing it out in my job because I reasoned right away that if a belief system is the real deal, it has to work in my whole life. Now, I was a management instructor at the time with a Fortune 100 company, and I was teaching secular humanism as the way, which is pretty much the status quo in the human resource function in most companies. And since work is about 60% of our awake time, I surmise that if Christianity doesn't work there, it just doesn't work, period. So I began this process that leads me to this very spot. I had to try, as in trial, Christianity within the context of my job. Did this stuff really work? And it did. And it does. 
and I have been blown away by the power that my belief in Christ and my following him has worked in me at work ever since. And that began a journey, a journey that has been revealing to me, that has been joyful to me, frustrating at times, but always rewarding. So my focus right now is helping followers of Jesus, helping them to become who they have been created to be, helping them to become the leaders that they can become and that I believe God wants them to become. And that leader is a purposeful leader. And this journey begins with life's core purpose. Now, podcast listeners, you listening right now, and anybody you share this with, gets $15 off when they enter the promo code YOURLCP, that's Y-O-U-R-L-C-P, at checkout. So if you go to video.lifescorepurpose.com, that's video.lifescorepurpose.com, no apostrophe, video.lifescorepurpose.com, enter the promo code YOURLCP at checkout. And after you find your life's core purpose, uh, you'll be sure to check out the free bonus video that tells you how to use it in your life. You'll, be fi- you'll find this very, very helpful. So you could be at the beginning of a lifelong journey to become a purposeful leader. You won't find anything about God in this assessment. You won't find anything about Jesus in this assessment. But you will find how you're created and how you've been created. And that might be a beginning of a journey for you to follow Jesus at some point down the road. But here's the deal. Find your life's core purpose right now and begin this journey with me to becoming a purposeful leader. We'll see you down the road. 